Welcome to Destination Boarding, a podcast brought to you by Boarding Schools Expo Australia, your go-to for everything you ever wanted to know about boarding schools. Hi, my name's Amanda Ferrari and I'm looking forward to bringing you wonderful stories from people right across the Australian boarding schools landscape. Whether that's students, parents, ex-students, leading professionals within boarding school communities and even some conversations among the team here at Boarding Schools Expo Australia. I was born, raised and educated in Sydney and never in my wildest dreams did I imagine being married to a fourth generation farmer on the western slopes of New South Wales, let alone raising a few country kids. It's been the best ride, up, down, coasting or flat out. I've loved it. Part of that ride has included deciding to explore the option of a completely diversified education for our children, one that moved them away from their hometown, opened their eyes to different cultures and experiences, and one where they were really able to develop their tolerances for those that have an alternate view of life. Through this podcast, Destination Boarding, we can share the stories of boarding school life, we'll talk to experts about Australian boarding schools in the 2020s, and generally demystify what it means to be part of the boarding school community. Hello, and thanks for downloading our podcast. Gosh, it is a veritable sea of options out there in podcast land, so we really are grateful that you're listening. In this episode, we're talking with a young woman who's really shown commitment and determination to work towards her dream of becoming a doctor. She hasn't quite decided exactly which field of medicine she'll ultimately go into, but as she's towards the end of her degree at Newcastle University, these are the next things on her agenda. Look, often when we think of students in the medical scientists, we assume that they're academically gifted, that they were shining stars from the womb. It's not always the way, and Susanna talks about starting boarding school at Ascombe in Sydney's eastern suburbs in support classes for maths and English, working her way up to the top rung by year 12 when she was studying three-unit maths and advanced English. Remarkably, Susanna has another goal she's working towards, and that's playing rugby for Australia. She's been part of the Brumby Super W team for a couple of years. She's taken a step back on that this year to focus on the last semesters of medicine, but she's definitely not parked that ambition. It's quite amazing. Growing up at Yass with her brothers and parents on their sheep and wool property, she headed off to the local primary school like every other kid around the district. It's the remarkable determination and achievements of Susanna since beginning boarding school and university that we really wanted to chat about. You know, boarding school is such a great time for families and the boarders, and Susanna talks about this. Her parents' connections with other parents from her cohort of boarders, the fact they still gather every year for lunch at someone's home. And she left school in 2015, I think. The sense of community she felt right from the word go at Ascombe. Anyway, enjoy the conversation I've had with Susanna Cook. Welcome to Destination Boarding. Thanks for taking the time to chat to us. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Where are you? Where are you coming to us from? I'm actually in Yass at the moment in New South Wales, where I grew up on mum and dad's property. Ducked home for the weekend. Got a, always a few farm jobs we need to squeeze in around uni. Yeah, the old free labour. That's great. Oh, free labour. <laughs> yeah, that's a bonus for mum and dad. Oh, that's terrific. Yeah. Well, I've been really looking forward to chatting to you. You've had such a a whirlwind of experiences since you left school, but I guess this podcast is all about discovering what boarding school's like and telling the story of boarding school. 
you went to Ascom and but we want to go back and start a bit further where you grew up and if you could tell me a bit about that. Yeah, so we lived in Yass until I was about two months old and then we moved out to the farm where I am now. So we've been here for, for the best part of 25 years. So yeah, lucky enough to grow up on the property and have that big outdoor experience. I've got an older brother and a younger brother and they both also went to boarding school. They went to, to Shaw. And we all went to primary school in Yass. That's where we started. And then when we each hit year seven, we went off to boarding school. So you're you're on a farm. What do you mainly do on that farm? What are the enterprises? So sheep mainly, just for wool. We're in the process of actually building a new wool shed at the moment. The old one was pretty historic, pretty vintage. So yeah, a big sheep farm is mainly what we do and a, and a couple of cattle. That's a big project, putting a new wool shed up. Yeah, it's taken, I'll say, a a year or two longer than uh, expected, but yep. I think that's just building anything these days. It's always harder than you think it's going to be. Oh, always. And all the bells and whistles. I went to a place uh, a couple of years ago. My husband and I were looking at sheep yards and things and what people were doing with low-intensity stop movement and things like that. And mm. one of the new shearing sheds we came across had air conditioning and <laughs> my husband was just blown away by that. He <laughs> He couldn't believe it and that's his goal now uh, among a lot of other things, the raised boards and all of that. So it was so beautiful you could have moved into it. Anyway. I'll have to put that to Dad, that little suggestion. (laughs) Maybe down on Yass, not as needed as out here on the Western Plains. That's true, that's true. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So primary school was in Yass. Did you get a bus to school? How did you get to school? Yeah, did the bus into school. There was one that came past just the bottom of our driveway. So. We got dropped down to the end of the driveway until we were old enough to learn to drive the little paddock car and then we'd take ourselves down to the bus stop, what we thought was pretty liberating. Yeah. And Susanna, did you always know that you were going to boarding school? Was that always in the plan? Yeah, it was definitely always in the plan. Askham was where mum went to school, although she grew up in Moree. Just being at primary school, you obviously want to do what all your friends are doing. So initially I thought, I'm getting ripped off here. Like, I want to go where all my mates are going. But I think come year seven, I was so ready and so excited to go. Yeah, I often hear that, that, you know, kids that know they're going to boarding school and there's planning around that, they don't want to go. But by year six, they really are ready. And I guess too, by year six, or certainly what we notice here with our business, Boarding Schools Expo, is that a lot of families, they don't make that decision early. They'll come in year five or six and make that decision. So I guess a lot of your cohort were suddenly off to boarding school as well, which probably make it easier. Was that, do you find that? Yeah, there was a couple, maybe three in my year at Yass, yeah. which I guess was a lot. It wasn't a very big primary school, yeah. but it definitely did, yeah, make it easier knowing that you weren't the only one getting ripped off, which is what I thought it was at the time. And how lovely to go to the same school that your mother went to. And did you find that Ascom suited you? What was your, can you recall what your initial feelings were when you arrived and settling in yeah I think like probably most city schools for any country kid it's just like overwhelming and everything from just the academic I guess load plus all the extracurricular activities and then kind of doing it on your own you got to have your right uniform for this day and right time to be at that place so yeah I remember being pretty overwhelmed but I also remember thinking I don't know how the non-boarders did it because we had 
all these older girls and all sort of house mistresses and things that would help us kind of know where to be and like the year eights that obviously just done it the year before. So they were like, oh, you guys are the new ones. This is where you do this or you forgot your shoes, have mine or something like that. So I remember thinking that was a huge bonus in this big wide world of high school. That's interesting, isn't it? Because my recollection of high school, I was terrified. And, you know, I went from the same primary school and senior campus, the secondary school was across the road. So there was no change. And yet I was absolutely terrified. How do I get to where I'm going? Where will I know where every different class is? And I really do honestly remember that feeling. So from a border's point of view, you've got support around you. Yeah, it made such a difference. And I remember one of my friends from Moree, she was a boarder, she turned up in thongs because she forgot her school shoes and she was going to get in so much trouble. So then one of the year 11s or year 12 just lent her a set of shoes and, geez, that's lucky. Just wasn't a problem because it's a big family. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. From, from day one, yeah. From day one. Yeah, that's a good point that you bring up because I think that as parents and we, when our children go to boarding school, you know, we're nervous for them and all of those learnings about where classes are, not only are they in a new school, but they're not with us anymore. And we think we're their lifeblood, but we quickly yeah. learn that they are able to cope. And at that point you bring up that it's it's with the support of your cohort and the older students, just like living in a big family. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It makes such a difference. And did you pick up a lot of day school friends? Like, was that something quick or did you find you initially you stuck to the boarding cohort and then you branch out a bit? Certainly in the older years, I could see that the boarders were more sticking together. For us, we actually only had five in our year. So yeah, right. I don't think we would have got too far if we just stuck with us. So we yeah made a lot of day school friends. And I think sort of in our group, there was kind of 18 of us from, I guess, across the six years right up until, until year 12. And the new boarders had obviously come in, but we had some yeah, a bit of a core group of day girlfriends, which I think works so well both ways because, you know, they're our sort of family away from home and the parents are so awesome in taking you to sport or take you out on the weekends. And then in the holidays, they can come home and sort of experience that that farm life. So I think that worked pretty well. Oh, it certainly does. That was my introduction to country life. I, being a city girl, going home to Borders farm so it's and it's a completely foreign concept for city kids generally if they've got no country connections so I think it does and it's interesting you say you only had five in your year because I know certainly the numbers at Ascom now are reaching capacity if they're not already at capacity but you know their boarding years have have really expanded and but there's you know I think there's pros and cons to small cohorts versus larger cohorts but that one that you bring up that, you know, you weren't going to get very far if you didn't sort of extend your reach is uh, a yeah. good one. And do you yeah. find that since you've left school, so what year did you leave? So I left in 2015. Have you maintained a lot of those friendships you made at boarding school? Yeah, we were so lucky with our year. We still talk sort of most weeks in a, in a big group chat and we have fun little event each year where all of us and all of our parents so the day girls and the boarders all get together at someone's house and have a big lunch um, and catch up which yeah which we enjoy as much as the parents as you can imagine yeah we might be due to host it next year so it'll be a a country event but yeah no we're all super close it makes it you miss some of the catch-ups being because I'm up in Newcastle now and some girls overseas or some girls are back in the country so Facebook group chats keeps keeps everyone together 
Very lucky with connectivity these days. It certainly does help, doesn't it? I love yeah. that, that you all still get together once yeah, a year sometimes. with the parents. Yeah, because they obviously they loved the boarding experience well, for the most part as much as we did because they got to all make kind of new friends yep. as well. I talk and about that a lot, Susanna. Yeah. I say to parents, this is as much your journey as it is your child's. You're going to make lifelong friends. I'm similar with schools that my children went to. Well, it's more than mums, actually. We catch up generally every year, whether that's for a week. Well, it is a weekend, actually, we do. And, you know, Amy and Annabelle, my daughters, have been out. They left in 2014. We're still doing it. And I consider these people to be good friends and lifelong friends. It's fantastic. So not only for you guys, the students, but the parents too. Yeah, it makes it a bit easier. And I guess the only other way as a high school parent is kind of maybe like on the sporting field or something on the sideline, you'd make friends. But sporting, you know, they kind of organise all those other catch-ups. And then if they're coming to the farm, well, then their parents might come one year. And it sort of, yeah, develops those sort of bigger connections. It sure does. Now, talking about sporting, you've left school. We'll get to your studies in a minute because you really have excelled and done very well. Talk to me about your rugby. Yeah, so I didn't really get into rugby until I left Ascom. Still trying to get onto them to get a to get a rugby team going. Oh, we'll talk um, to them about that, won't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're working on it. Yeah, and I got into rugby sort of late in life. My brothers both played in Yas, but there wasn't a women's team at the time, so I think I did sort of netball or something like that. And I was in college and East were starting up a new team, so I thought I'd have a go. Like I always never shied away from a wrestle with the brothers and kind of loved being active. So got into it that way and it's kind of just as rugby for women was picking up. So there's a lot of different opportunities, sort of playing, yeah, sevens and fifteens. And, and then, that was with Eastern Suburbs Rugby Union Club. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that's where I sort of started out. And then it was kind of around the transition year, I was moving up to Newcastle, but the Brumbies put on a trial down in Goulburn. I thought it's open to anyone. So I went down and had a crack and somehow made the squad for the 2021 team. And How do the Brumbies differ from, say, East, from a club? So you've got your club competition or your Sydney club competition, yep. which is called the Jack Scott Cup. And then Brumbies, kind of similar to the men's Super Rugby, it's the Super W. So you've got the ACT in South Wales, Queensland, WA Melbourne teams that all play in that Super W competition and then girls get picked from that to play for the Wallaroos. So it's kind of like I guess like our national competition. And that's your goal, to play for the Wallaroos? Yeah, I think so. I'm sort of every day considering how that fits in with the with the life of the doctor. People are pretty keen to tell me that maybe not enough time to do both well. So I'm just kind of keeping on going at the moment while I can and make that decision down the track. But that, that would be pretty incredible. That's the goal. And how does the training, can you explain, because, and we'll get to this, you're at university in Newcastle and you train in Canberra with the Brumbies. How often? So that was not doing that anymore, but I was doing that twice to sort of three times a week. Oh. Yeah, it was a big, big commitment because it was kind of one of the first semesters we didn't have online because obviously COVID messed everything up. And I think at this point I was second year medicine. So I'd, we had a Tuesday training, which I'd normally fly down in the morning, study all day at the University of Canberra Library, train that night, stay either with a friend or with my uncle and auntie or something. And then they had a 6.30 flight back the next day. My friends would pick me up from the airport and we'd be at class by 8.30. Oh, wow. And then normally I'd drive down maybe Thursday afternoon, try and train Thursday night, 
if we played Saturday, play Saturday and then drive back Sunday. And the drive is fucking nice. It's a solid four and a half, five hour drive that had its own kind of challenges in terms of getting your bodies all stiffens up. And at that point, Brumbies weren't paying you anything. So the flights and fuel and everything, it's kind of all out of your own pocket. So yeah, definitely had its challenges, but I guess to play for a team that we'd supported as a family being from Yass all our lives was, yeah, yeah something I was pretty keen to pick off. Fantastic achievement. And I know we digress from boarding school, but I mean, I think it all builds up to this. I think that you'd probably agree that your education and living away from home has given you a certain drive and independence to to have these goals and to, you know, go forward with commitments, whether that's sport or study. Yeah, for sure. Even just the driving, like come, mum and dad coming to Sydney almost every weekend, your concept of how far a drive is, like three-hour drive is kind of nothing. Whereas I know a lot of other people, the thought of a three-hour drive even once a month would be just too much. Yeah, the city guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, they're funny. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, you do get used to the driving, don't you? And thank yeah. goodness for podcasts. Anyway. Exactly. Talk to me a bit more. How's the competition going this year? Yeah, so I'm not in the Super W at the moment. I've just been back up playing for the wildfires in Newcastle. Oh, to that's actually play right. In the Sydney comp. Yep. Which has been so fun. It's been such an awesome year. We've got a really great group of girls and to be able to play sort of in the best pub comp in Australia, but live in Newcastle, a sort of smaller city and still not be too far from uni is kind of the dream for me at the moment. Yes, with your studies, because you're doing medicine. This is your second degree, your first degree exercise and sports science. Yeah, that's it. At the time, when you left school and you decided to do that, was your goal ultimately medicine? Yeah, I think medicine was sort of always in the back of my mind. I just didn't think I had the drive after doing the HSC and kind of giving that 100% to, to go out and straight into medicine. And I sort of loved the idea of sports science, which would then open up the possibility of post-grad med as well. Yeah. And you can always still do undergrad med regardless of if you've done a degree or not. So I thought to do something that in my eyes was going to be a little bit less full on, but still, you know, I'm still doing the anatomy and the physiology study, which wasn't going to go lost in a medical degree. So that was kind of, yeah, the reasoning behind that was to try and enjoy a couple of years out of school and then have a proper crack at medicine after that. For many families in rural and remote Australia, where they live means boarding school is an option they need to consider. For others, it's simply an option they'd like to explore. Boarding Schools Expo Australia provides a welcome mat between parents and boarding schools, everything you ever wanted to know in one place. They've been a trusted resource for families for 19 years, with over 12,000 children attending their events in person and online. Australia's a big country. Distance shouldn't be a deal breaker, and that's why they've created Boarding Expo 365. A virtual expo open all year round for families wherever they live. Wander online from booth to booth and connect directly with exhibiting schools right from your kitchen table. Register today for free and when you do you'll find out all about the Australian Boarding School Summit, an online event for families of boarders. Conversations with experts and parents about the things that affect you and your family during the boarding school years. You can stream it on demand or watch it live on the 13th of October. They'll even have an audio option so you can listen on while you're moving cattle or driving to town. Check it out at boardingexpo.com.au. It's truly destination boarding from wherever you call home. You're in third year, second year? In fourth year now. So oh, wow. Done at the end of next year. 
which is pretty crazy to think about. Yes. And when you say done, you've still got to do intern, yeah, residency and things? Yeah. So you graduate for me at fifth year and then you do your intern year as a junior doctor and then a resident, as I guess, a resident doctor. And then you can kind of take your path from there, whether you do more study or try and get on another training program or... And do you find with your sport playing for the Hunter Wildfires now, which that's great because all your training's there and you stop the commuting, does that really work in with your studies and does that help you stay motivated with your studies and being part of that team? Yeah, it does. I think I've learned to be more efficient in those sort of smaller moments if I've got kind of placement all day and I've got one hour before I've got to be at the gym and then we go straight into training. So I'll do as much as I can in that hour or a podcast on the commute that maybe an academic one and then you kind of get home at eight o'clock maybe do sort of half an hour and then into bed and go again the next day and I've probably signed up for as much as I can with I've signed up to do league rugby league as well oh have you training training four times a week and playing twice on the weekend (gasps) which is it's so fun is it but it's really yeah test the limits of time but yeah it it does make you just be so much more efficient Find if I've got a whole day free I'll do next to no study but if I'm busy as I'll, I'll get out what I need to. And isn't it the same in life? You know, they say, yeah. ask a busy person. I want to talk about that because a lot of our listeners wouldn't be aware. I am, but I'm going to get you to explain it. Yeah. The Dalton plan at ASCOM is the way they educate their students. Can you talk on that? And then I want to expand on that and ask you, do you feel that you had an advantage and did you watch it? friends that went to ask them who went on to uni did you feel you had an advantage at uni due to the Dalton plan so tell us no, about yeah. the Dalton plan so I don't think I've ever been that great at explaining it but I'll, I'll, I'll try from a point of view of what we sort of did so for each of our subjects each week we had an assignment and you got that book of assignments at the beginning of the term and then each week, Tuesday morning, all the assignments are due. So everyone's running around the school handing their assignments in. And that same Tuesday, that next week of assignments begins. So you don't kind of sort of willy-nilly have homework. It's every subject has an assignment every week. So you get really good at planning in your diary each Tuesday. What have you got to do for each subject? And then it's obviously up to you to how do you want to spend your time that week and how will you get it done by Tuesday morning? And yeah. the joke everyone makes is that Wednesday nights, they're always just a bit anxiety-inducing for the rest of your life, which isn't true. (laughs) I'll tell a funny story. I used to get the bus from home to school with a lot of Ascom girls, and it was every Wednesday morning. Is it Wednesday morning? I can't remember. Anyway, they would be absolutely beside them. You knew knew the day of the week that the assignments were due. And listen, I'm an old woman, so I'm going back a fair way. No, that's exactly right. Though. Those Monday nights and Tuesday mornings are yep. absolute chaos. And the, I think the idea is that, like, if you don't get your assignment on Tuesday, we will have a Tuesday afternoon, not a detention, but Tuesday afternoon uh, appointment with the teacher that you didn't get it done for. Yeah. You don't get it done on Tuesday, well, you'll have a Wednesday afternoon appointment and it kind of drags on. So to get behind is not really an option. So you get pretty good at, at meeting those deadlines. Yeah. And that is quite similar to uni in that they, they don't tell you when your assignments are. Here's this book. This is when it's due you in a year this is probably something i i never understood during the week you you're all working in each subject towards those assignments is that correct yeah so you you obviously do the homework in your own time after school and you're just doing your normal classes every week and then you have some sort of free study periods throughout the week which you book in you have to sort of look is my teacher free for that subject on that period 
the time that you can go and ask the question. So like if your English assignment was super hard and you couldn't start it without asking a teacher, you'd book an English free period in really early in the week to try and understand it so that you've got the week to work on it. Wow. And does that happen from year seven or is that more in the senior years? No, that's, yeah, from year seven. I remember thinking I got so ripped off like in year eight, just doing so many assignments and my brothers were just doing absolutely nothing (laughs) And they were in like year ten, or Toby was in year ten at the yeah, time. Yeah. I just thought, this is ridiculous. But no, I think I think it has paid off. I think it's the method that made you feel like that, probably. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah. what was holding you back from? You're telling me you get the plan for the term, so you mm-hmm. know in week three that the assignment's going to be on this. Did yeah. you ever jump ahead and anticipate and start preparing, or is that just a bit over the top? Some people, yeah, certainly did. Like if maths if you knew all like you knew the content for the next week even though you hadn't learned it yet you could certainly go ahead but I think time wise you kind of normally going right up until Monday night to do the x amount of assignments for all the subjects so if you had time to go ahead I would yeah you would hats off to that person and I know you know this is just from your point of view but in your cohort or or the some of your fellow boarders those that's we're not particularly academic and there's plenty, mm. you know, plenty of them. We're all different. Yeah, Do you absolutely. find that the system suited them too and they could just pace themselves or did they bring themselves up? I think, yeah, some people certainly struggled more than others and you really felt for those people that just weren't. Like my brain sort of worked that way and I got quite lucky. I like having a plan and yeah. kind yeah. of knowing what to what to do, but some people really struggle with that and it's not a particularly kind system to somebody once you're behind it's really quite hard to kind of catch up again but I guess that's when the the teachers came in and you saw the good teachers really shone through because they kind of helped that student do what they need to get back on track just definitely probably took everyone maybe some a couple more years than others to sort of work it out but by year 12 everyone's from what I remember everyone's kind of at a point where they're they're in the routine yeah. yeah. Oh, it's, it's certainly a method that appeals to my senses. I, I tend to work that way and I, I know that if I haven't got anything on for the day, like you say, I'll achieve nothing. So, yeah. you know, it's better to have things to do and, and a little bit of pressure never goes astray. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. They certainly know how to apply a little bit of pressure. I used to have a nickname called Last Minute Mandy and people would just look at me and go, don't worry, she'll get it done. Just don't don't worry. <laughs> Still rings That's true. That's good. It's a really interesting concept and I, I, I believe Ascom's the only school that, that still does this method. It's something, yeah, I find really interesting and it, it clearly works because they do get the results. Yeah, yeah. It'd be interesting to see how everyone, just like anecdotally, I know it, a lot of people said it really helped them with uni and a lot of people still probably have a lot of demons from it and would say they'd much rather do, do nothing and just yeah. try their best to get through. Just yeah, a couple of extra gap yeah. years to recover. Exactly. Yeah. You didn't do that, but you took a, a slightly less demanding path in your first degree, which for many would be very demanding anyway. Then did you go straight from finishing the exercise? And you are at Drew's, weren't you, St Andrews College? Yeah, I was, at, I was at Drew's. So there was a lot of other things going on other than studying those first couple of years out. So Dad was probably pretty correct when he said uni's basically a gap year if you're at college. How and many years nice. did you stay on campus for? Did three years. Wow, good yeah. on you. And that, is that where you, sorry, I'm going all over the place, is that where you got okay. introduced to rugby? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. By the end we'd got a college sevens rugby team going, so 
pretty happy with that. Oh, fantastic. Okay, so you finished that degree, apply for medicine, get in. Yes. So I actually didn't get in on any of my first attempts and then I got a laid off at a Western Sydney uni, did three days out there like in the first orientation week and then Newcastle called up with a laid offer as well on the Thursday. So I said, absolutely, I'll be there Monday. And, and do you think how that happened? this is the other thing, you know, when I left school, my mother said, oh, this is a terrible, I can't believe I'm saying it on the podcast, but yeah. she said to me, I wanted to be a journalist always. And she said, why don't I didn't get into UTS to do comms? In my day, it was about 98 or something. It was a huge oh, wow. mark. We did it out of 500. She said, go to Mitchell College at Bathurst, which is now CSU. I looked at her like she'd grown foreheads and I said, who (laughs) the bloody hell would live all the way out at Bathurst? And she (laughs) never let me forget it because now I live at Trangy, which is even further. But I wish I had taken her advice. I really do. And not that, you know, it all ended up okay. But do you think boarding school and being a country kid, the fact that you were able to say, hey, that's fine, I'm off, I'm leaving Sydney, I'm going to Newcastle. Had you had any experience of Newcastle? I have an uncle who lives up there and he's a GP up there. So he was, yeah, pretty keen for me to come up, but. I hadn't really spent a lot of time in Newcastle at all. And obviously we'd we spent kind of all my young adulthood traversing the Hume and never kind of going up north. Yeah, it was a little bit of the unknown. I thought oh, it's going to take five hours to get home now instead of three. But I think, I don't know, I just thought Newcastle were a nice little sea change compared to driving from Sydney to Campbelltown every day. It's kind of what did it for me. Yeah, Campbelltown would be a trek, wouldn't it? Yeah. Traffic and everything. Like- a bit better now. And you're enjoying Newcastle fourth year? Yeah, I love I try and sell Newcastle to anyone that asks. Anyone in Sydney just like I was living in Woolara when I was in Sydney just for the, the two years after college before I went to Newcastle. Well, Woolara's not too far from the beach, but it'd take you like half an hour, an hour if you wanted to go for a quick swim. Whereas Newcastle, like to live near the beach, your rent is just so much cheaper. The beaches are awesome. And you can kind of live like where I live. It's like on the edge of the city, right next to our home ground where we play for rugby and it's kind of a walk from the beach. So for me, it's ticking all the boxes. I know for some people it's probably a bit too far out of the, the main city, but a bit slower than Sydney. Yes, but still got all the perks. Exactly, yeah. And not too far from Sydney. And one of the best medical schools in the country and hospitals. Yeah, yeah. No, being at the John Hunter is insane. Yep. And I'm thinking of doing my internship year out there, I think, just because you can kind of go there or Maitland or some of the other smaller hospitals, but just by the time we finish our med degree, you sort of know a lot of the doctors working there and it's kind of a bit easier, whereas I can imagine moving to Sydney and being an intern at RPA or something like that would just be a little bit more daunting. And what's your goal with medicine? What what do you want to be? At the moment, I'm pretty keen on orthopedic, but at the same time, I quite like the idea of the lifestyle of a, of a sports med physician and the travel that they would get to do. I'm just deciding whether I like the the insides of the operating theatre or kind of being out and about. You could go from one to the other, couldn't you? You could start with one and be... Yeah, I think orthopaedics is kind of like if you want to do it, you've got to do it and you've got to go hard at it because it would be the next. The surgical, how much is that? How many more years to add on that surgical? If you get on the training program, I'm pretty sure it's five years, but it can often take five years to get onto the training program. And then you've got to pass all those exams, so it's... And then ultimately you get to give people like me hip replacements. I feel, yeah, I've had two knee reconstructions, so I'd be able Have to get you? that money get I, that money back through that. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, well, I wish you all the very best for that. It's thank Gosh, you. it's been great chatting to you, Susanna, and thank you so much. We've got one last question. I'm really springing yeah. this on you. So who is the person when you were at boarding school, be that a boarding house mistress, master, be that a teacher or be that a fellow student or someone older than you that really had the most impact on you and was like that mentor or that you've really carried with you? That is a really good question. Yeah, (laughs) I would say a couple. Sometimes I got quite lucky with a teacher. Like remember when I first got to ask him, I was in the math support class and the English support class because I just had no idea what I was doing. And that's extraordinary. Um, Sorry to interrupt you, but here you are on your second degree doing post-grad medicine and you were in the math support class. Yeah, I just coming from the country primary school I just it was so different yeah but there was you know a couple of teachers along the way they're like no no you like basically just pursue it ended up doing three in a math and advanced English so they kind of helped get me there on the academic front wow and then probably I would have to say the boarding friends like each year you're in a different dorm with different people and you kind of make those connections and I don't know each year you just make a new stronger connection and that person will help you get up and go for a run at 6.30 or get back and say, well, should we, we'll just get into a bit more work or kind We're of. We're all motivating each, each other. Yeah, each year I was probably lucky to kind of make a new connection with sort of someone different and they were kind of the motivation for that that part of it. And then obviously having mum and dad at home who came up nearly every weekend and they were there for the hockey and the touch footy and the sometimes the swimming carnivals, which I wasn't very good at. Just that constant support from home and like always the phone calls, they were there, they were sending their Sydney friends over to take you to your dentist appointment or whatever. I think I was pretty lucky. I really felt that when you see like your, we had a boarding girl whose parents were in Hong Kong and you just, you could see that just not having that constant support there might've been a bit more of a struggle. Yes. That's when all the girls would rally around her. But I think, yeah, for me, that support from home was massive. Yeah. And then that gives you the strength to provide the support to others like the girl from Hong Kong. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Oh, that's a beautiful place to end it. Thank you so much. I enjoyed that chat. We went down so many rabbit holes and it really gave us a great oversight into how relationships work in boarding houses and particularly with the day students and their families. Who knows, you might bump into Dr Susanna Cook on the operating table one day when you're getting a new hip. We wish her all the very best. Thank you for listening to Destination Boarding. It's brought to you by Boarding Schools Expo Australia and hosted by me, Amanda Ferrari. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your friends, follow it, rate and review. It really helps us spread the word. Catch you next time. Thanks again.